So what's happening in Washington in the world of lifelong learning and as it relates to our listeners? Our listeners are, after all, both learners and educators, and the legislative impact may be big on their lives. Welcome to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Alicia Sutton, and with me today is Dr. John Camp, Executive Director of the Coalition for Healthcare Communication and an expert on government affairs as they relate to healthcare. Welcome, John. We're glad you could join us. Thank you. Glad to be here. Give us a big picture update. What's going on in Washington as it relates to communication? If you asked if it was in the legislature, I would say virtually nothing because (laughs) uh, they're just disagreeing about everything. And so uh, we don't have to worry about matters of CME, I think, in the legislature this year. They did their thing in the Affordable Care Act. They passed the Sunshine Act. The Sunshine Act is the new thing and the thing that we're paying most attention to right now. The Sunshine Act Rules mean that the first of the national database of gifts and and payments to physicians was supposed to be available in September of this year on a searchable database by doctor's name. My own guess is that they're not going to make that September deadline. It'll probably be closer to January of 2014 or later. But it's the Sunshine Act. It's compliance with the Sunshine Act. As most people here know, the pharmaceutical, device, and bio companies are the ones that are required to report, and they will be reporting reporting on this, but the reports are about individual doctors. It'll be by doctor, by payment, and I think it's going to change the way doctors view themselves and view their relationships with industry. It's a good point. I'm glad you raised the Sunshine Act because it does feel like it is a whole new era of data upon us. Let's assume for a second that our learners are similar to a cohort of learners or of a survey that was conducted by MMIS in which 50% of the respondents did not know that the Sunshine Act requires reporting in a public database. And further, 63% had a concern that their name would be in a public database. So what should these clinicians do moving forward? How can they overcome the reluctance here? It's both an ignorance problem. I don't mean that negatively. I just mean it sort of factually that what this research suggests is that there are a lot of doctors out there whose names are going to be on this national registry who are not yet aware of it. And that's a significant danger to those doctors who might be surprised by this whole affair, the Sunshine Act and its reporting requirements. Importantly, it's also a threat to collaboration, the collaboration between the medical community, the clinician and research community, and the community of industry, which includes pharma, device, and bio companies their relationships are going to be somewhat at risk. If all of a sudden the relationships are public in a way that they haven't been public before, there's a whole lot of ambiguity around these rules and what they require. In fact, many different companies have different views about what's required. Those are reasonable disagreements, but they're disagreements nonetheless, and they're going to reflect essentially how some companies report some versus others. And many doctors take reprints of medical journals, for example, from many different companies, so they might have multiple exposures on this database. What I'm concerned about is the relationships, the collaboration, relationships that are really very important. As I said in my speech today, I'm in favor of collaboration. I think collaboration is what enables better patient care. I I use the example on the podium that I think that the America and the Allies won World War I because academe and government and industry got together to fight the war, essentially the collaboration that enabled us to win World War II. 
What we're faced with now is a different kind of a World War II fight. It's the fight to essentially develop and have health care delivery in America, not bankrupt the American public. We look at the Social Security plan, and we know that that's in danger, but actually the Medicare trust fund is in much more danger than the Social Security trust fund. We must figure out a way to deliver better health care than we're delivering now at a cheaper price, and that's going to take collaboration between the government, the industry and academe and much of the talk that we have now is about conflict of interest now i'm not mm-hmm. against conflict of interest or i am against conflict of interest we need to pay attention to conflict of interest issues but we need to pay attention to and feed the collaboration that enables the solution to our big problems and clearly this is of interest to a listener whether they are the learner or they're the educator and often they are both of them that's uh, exactly right we both are teachers and learners at the same time absolutely do you think Washington understands the value proposition of continuing medical education? No, I don't think it does. I think that like many marketing issues, I think that Washington takes education for granted. They pretend as if doctors and other clinicians can learn everything they need to learn in medical school or whatever school that they've gone to, and once they're certified, they know what they need to know. That's not true. The science is advancing incredibly fast. What was true last year isn't necessarily true this year. You must work in order to stay ahead. Many things are changing quickly. The research is changing. The best practices are changing. It takes lifelong education to make that work, and that education must not be just the education that one learns in a lecture, but it must be education that comes from lifelong learning in interactive kind of situations, and that's expensive. And we must understand that it's expensive, but in the long run, it's of great value because the value proposition is that educators, doctors, others who are fully educated and understand how to use the medical guidelines and research that's out there, provide better care, better lives, and better, longer lives for the American patients. It costs money to do education. It's not free, but the value proposition is really very clear, but it's not fully understood in Washington. We must tell our stories. We must take the research that demonstrates the value of communication and lifeline learning, and we must take it to the places that go there. We must also tell our stories, our individual stories that give that research life. Very valid point. So if you had to make a comparison on the value of, say, communication, marketing, education, relative to the value of, say, R&D, where would you come out on that dialogue? Let's not say ever that I'm against R&D. R&D is what what creates the miracles in the laboratories that essentially enable us to cure, at least treat the great maladies of our time, cancer, HIV, and others. But communication is just as important as R&D. It's the communication component that gets a drug out of the laboratory and into the hands of the American people who need them, that teaches them how to use those drugs and devices and, and biopharmaceutical matters in a way that are successful that make for better lives, longer lives, and and better quality of lives. In effect, a pill is just a poison unless it's surrounded by information on when to use it and how to use it safely and effectively. If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Alicia Sutton, and I'm speaking with Dr. John Camp, Executive Director of the Coalition for Healthcare Communication, and an expert on government affairs as they relate to healthcare communication.
tell us how our learners can become more involved if they have concerns about what you've been discussing. Where can they go? In the speech that I just gave at this convention, I talked about three coalitions that pay a lot of attention to the education component in the medical world, and those three are all important. The Coalition for Healthcare Communications that I represent is a coalition of marketing companies and publishers who are the vendors for pharmaceutical companies, and we care a lot about many of these issues. If you work in an advertising agency or marketing company or you work for a medical publisher, you're automatically a member of the Coalition for Healthcare Communication. I ask you to reach out to me to talk about the things that are very important to you that are happening in Washington. There's also an alliance coalition, the Alliance for CHIP, the sponsor of today's meeting, and that alliance coalition includes virtually anyone who's a member of an alliance, and they have, that coalition is working on all sorts of education components and advocacy components in Washington. And then there's also a, quote, CME coalition, a third coalition in Washington that pays attention specifically to CME issues, and that includes pharmaceutical companies, CME groups, and others who care about it. Those of our listeners who are members of the Alliance for CHIP, which is the sponsor of this program, have a very easy way in which they can participate in the coalition of the Alliance, and that is by when they sign up for their annual dues or another, an event of the Alliance, that they check the box that has a voluntary contribution to the coalition. But any of those who are interested can come to the people who are the leaders of these coalition, myself at the Coalition for Healthcare Communication, Tom Sullivan, who is the head of the CME Coalition, or Ed Dellert, who at the Alliance for CHIP is the head of the coalition there. Any one of those three can give you a very good gateway to what's going on and what's important in our industry. So we know that healthcare reform is indeed a process, not an event. How do you think it's rolling out so far on the Affordable Care Act as it relates to communication and disclosure of information and things that are relevant to our listeners? Well, I think that in our specific area, it's very similar to the general area. You know, the rollout of the exchanges and the sign-ups for the insurance was sort of bumpy along the way. Not sort of an amazing, easy success. I don't think we're going to... Change is always hard, no matter where it comes from. The part on communication that really applies to us, and especially the Sunshine Act, we're going to have bumps along the way. I mentioned in my speech that the the same contractor that did the exchanges and the sign-up for the exchanges is the contractor who is doing the Sunshine Act National Registry for Payments and Gifts to Physicians. You know, we could have some bumps along that way. I've already suggested that I don't think they're going to make the deadline to September for the first big data National Registry presentation. I think it's going to take longer. But I think that we have to be alert. We have to pay attention. Most importantly, we have have to be part of the solution. We have to do a much better job of being part of the value proposition that goes forward here, part of the solution to the delivery of health care in America, better patient care, and we do that by educating ourselves, educating the healthcare professionals to the extent that it's possible, and doing a better job. We're all responsible. We're all in the soup. If we don't do better in healthcare delivery in America, we're going to bankrupt America, first of all, and we're not going to have the lives that we want to have, both in length and quality. So we all are in the soup. We're all patients, even though we're professionals in this business. We all have a stake in it. Those of us who are professionals in it have perhaps the biggest stake. We must do better. We must participate in the solution. Let's talk about reprints for a second, kind of drill down into one specific that requires 
requires a tremendous amount of reporting for these reprints of valuable clinical information. Isn't there a bit of a First Amendment right issue going on here? Well, there's two different rights. You know, the Coalition for Healthcare Communication believes that there's two different rights and a responsibility. Rights and responsibility come together. Pharmaceutical and other companies in this business have a responsibility to tell the truth about their products and to communicate and educate about their products. They also have a First Amendment right to do that, and that right has been adjudicated in the courts, including the Supreme Court in the United States and a couple of recent major decisions, the most important one, IMS versus Sorrell, which had to do with the possibility of the use of big data in communication, an attempt to essentially censor the use of big data by pharmaceutical companies and their marketing programs. The Supreme Court of the United States reversed that censorship and it said that the First Amendment applied here. The First Amendment right that we think it is important in the context of reprints and the distribution of textbooks is a very similar right. We think that the practitioners in America, the folks who actually deliver health care in America, have a right to the information that's available by reprints and textbooks in a way that enables them to better do their business. They have a right and responsibility to educate themselves. We have a responsibility to deliver that education, and we may have to go to court to actually demonstrate that right. You have a lot on your plate with you and your team and all of the coalitions. So as we wrap up, is there a final thought you'd like to leave with the listeners who we know are clinicians and those interested in healthcare education? Pay attention. One of the things I said and I repeat now is that healthcare reform is a process. There is the Affordable Care Act, which is a piece of legislation, but that piece of legislation is probably the first of, of many healthcare reform pieces of legislation that we'll have in the next several years. We're going to have a new Congress. We're going to have a new President of the United States in the White House. Things are going to change. We also have to understand that the health care reform process in the Affordable Care Act really hasn't been fully implemented yet. We're now just getting people enrolled for the new patients to get insurance that didn't have insurance before or better insurance than they had before. So we're in the early stages of the process. I recommend that people not go, whew, it's fine. Finally over. We've had reform. Instead, they should say, yippee, here we go. We're just getting started. It's time for us to participate in this process, take our place, understand what it means to us as patients and professionals, and get on the bandwagon and be part of the solution. John, you've been an amazing guest. We really appreciate it. It's lifelong learning, but it sounds like a lifelong journey through a lot of different issues as we work through it. I want to thank you for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you very much for inviting me. This is Alicia Sutton, and you've been listening to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I've been talking to Dr. John Camp. To download this segment, go to ReachMD.com or download the podcast on your ReachMD mobile app. Thanks for joining us.